Welcome to the School of Performance. My name is Sean Ashkenazi, former professional athlete turned high-level performance coach. And each week we will bring you inspirational guests to help you reach your highest levels of performance. Thank you for taking the time and joining us today. And let the lesson begin. Welcome to the School of Performance. And today we got on Yoni Marmerstein. We're just talking about it. <laughs> I hope I knocked okay. it out of the park. That was good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, man, because I know what it's like. I've had so many names, like in high school with teachers, trying to get my name right. So I really, oh, really Yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. You have the <laughs> announcers too, right? Like during your yeah. game, it'll be like, yeah, man, Stein. <laughs> I'll never forget. I haven't told this story in ages, but um, you probably know uh, Bradley Thornhill, the, the Sutherland coach. Yeah. Yeah, I know Brad. So, coach, so he was the assistant coach on provincial team when I played for Eves, who we just had on the podcast. I played for him on provincial team, and, and Coach yes. O was assistant. And Coach O, uh, I remember he would do like the announcing uh, for uh, the All Star game in high school yeah. at UBC. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I remember I had this like and one or something in the All Star game, and you hear Coach O on the mic like. Sean, like saying my name perfectly, gotta say. Sean, like Ashkenazi, with no Achmanis for the other team. Like, <laughs> like Jewish Hebrew. Hebrew uh, nice. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, shout out to Brad Thornhill, man. <laughs> and you're in the court, like, what? Like, am I imagining this? Like, did it just happen? Like, how did he know about Achmanis? Like, how, how did he know? Going, through the head, like what? Huh? Did he? Did he just know that from somewhere? Well, I guess from provincial team, like he knew, he knew I'm Jewish, he knew I'm Israeli. So he and did his like, research. He just had it up his sleeve, man. Like that's, he's a that's pretty good. Like he's a good guy, man. I like him. I love Coach O. Yeah, and there's some great stories. Yeah, but enough about me, man. How are you doing? How are you? Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I'm good. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, appreciate you inviting me on, and. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. Good to see you, man. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, I always say, it's been a while. I always, I always tell guests, um, it's always so fun, like beyond the value that this holds for for viewers and listeners alike. Like, it's cool to uh to reminisce and just catch up with people, with old friends, and and kind of get to know yeah. the person a bit more. So, I'm grateful. Yeah, for no, that. I feel like we've had a like I knew I actually knew who you were before. I think you knew who I was because I saw, I saw you play. I think it was some Maccabee tryout or something. Maybe yeah. I'd seen you there, and then there was like some three point comp that you were like. I feel like you won a three point comp in high school or something, and I was there. I don't know. If, I just remember you from somewhere along the line, and then down the road we played in the Kings League. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. And we played against each other, and it was a, a summer league or something, and. And you were like, you know, I, I, I hadn't gone on my like full on basketball journey yet, I don't think. And you were like trying to get ready to go to Israel and play or something. So yeah. I remember connecting then a little bit. And then throughout my career or my journey, I reached out to you. So a lot of our talks have been like over over uh, FaceTime or Skype right. or whatever. Um, and yeah, you definitely... Uh, help me out a little bit throughout that that process as well. So it's definitely, uh, yeah, no, it's it's good to uh, catch up for sure. Yeah, man, no doubt. Yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it, man. It was cool. I, I used to love those talks, man, just catching up. And it's always nice how um, just kind of sharing ideas and sharing perspectives. I think I was talking about my sister, who took a close friend of mine today, like just the power of um, <clears throat> gaining new perspectives. I think it's so huge, yeah. and uh, and yeah, we're, I'm lucky to, to have met so many great people along the way. Whether it be coaches or players, and like if we're just stuck in our own little box, man, I think there's so much that we miss out on. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. So I guess I know you. I know from personal experience. I guess to those people that um that are that are logging on, that are tuning in, that may not know you too well, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up on a small island, uh, Salt Spring Island, which is, well, I was actually born in Israel, so I've got that dual citizenship, and I moved to Canada when I was a, a baby, 
Um, were you born in Israel? Yeah, I grew up here. Not a lot of people know. I moved, yeah, I moved when I was 10. I moved to Canada. So, yeah, so I mean, I moved when I was like a year old to Canada. And then we moved to the island when my parents split up when I was like five or six. And mm -hmm. I grew up on this little island, really not a basketball community or anything, but my, I just fell in love with basketball when I was really little, like three or four years old. I was throwing like a teddy bear in the hoop apparently when I was little because I couldn't <laughs> lift the ball up high enough. And I was, I just like play with kids at the park and I was trying to toss the teddy bear. I try to catch it before it hit the ground so it wouldn't get dirty. No, so that was my first memory of basketball. But um, yeah, when I moved to the island, um, I guess there was like a group of us that were just kind of obsessed with basketball. And we grew up playing just, you know, outside lunch, recess, after school like that. And there's no community center there. So there's not like a proper gym where you can just go and like get reps up or anything like that. Um, so me and my friends would just go and play outside like against each other. And I talk about this with the kids a lot. I think a big reason why I became a basketball trainer is because like I want to be that kind of mentor and give people that opportunity that I didn't feel like I really had. Like I never had someone teach me like a whole lot over there. There just wasn't like proper training or camps or anything. And I, um, I never realized like the best way to improve your game is to like do like a bunch of drills and like train like your handles and your and get reps on the same spots with your shooting and stuff. Cause we didn't have like YouTube as well back then. Right. So, I would say I, I, I became a pretty good like streetball player. You know, we play games and like I was I was good, but like I I definitely improved a, sh a whole lot more once I started to to figure out the right drills to do. Um, and so on the island, there was this one camp where like this this guy from Uvic, I th I think it was like a Vikes camp. And there's a couple players and the coach of the, the Vikes came over to the island. And the, the I just remember the coach telling us, like, this is how this guy, like, does his shooting workout. And the guy just did f spot shooting, like, five makes from each spot. He maybe warmed up with some, like, close to the basket. Five makes from each spot. Five makes from each spot on the three. Uh, first mid-range, then threes. And I just saw that and I was like, Okay, like, and this was this wasn't until like grade twelve. I think the summer going into grade twelve or something. So I I started doing that. Like, that's still pretty much what I do as my shooting workout or warm up kind of. Yeah, but it's just funny to to see kids now, and it's like drilled into them, like reps, reps. Like all these coaches are telling them kind of the same stuff. Whereas back then it was just it wasn't like I don't know for me at least on the island it wasn't common knowledge and. Um, yeah. yeah, so that kind of, you know, we had a really good team in grade 12. Um, we were ranked provincially, but we weren't, like Salt Spring Islands never usually, you know, in the provincial rankings. And we were beating all the teams that won the provincials the year before. We had a really special group and um, we ended up losing in the game to make provincials on this like weird yeah. backdoor draw with Lambrick Park. So it was a pretty big upset for us. And I mean, I just, I just know that there's a lot of parts of my story. Like if I share everything where like these, these uh, losses, you know, like taking that loss, that stuck, that, that stuck with me um, for like, for still probably gives me a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like, you know, I, I have more to do in this game and I think, losing that game as much as it was painful it probably kind of started me a bit on this journey of like i need to keep like doing something within the game of basketball um right but yeah that's kind of that's like my a bit of my high school journey <laughs> no that's cool keep, yeah, keep yeah, like was, yeah no we'll go we'll, we'll touch all of it man i'm excited for it um you kind of answered like my next question too, like how do you get into coaching? It's really cool to hear like just mentoring and kind of being there for these kids. Um, and and you were saying um, kind of giving them something that maybe you didn't have. 
I can really relate to that, yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, the next, um, I guess I'd love to do, I always do it, especially with the, the guys I've met throughout um, basketball, is to kind of reminisce a little bit about your favorite basketball moment, either as a player or as a coach. That's like the first thing that comes to mind. Could be a couple um, throughout your career. Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I'd say... I mean, I'm trying to think of high school. There was like one game where I popped off, you know, that stuck with me and just like he made eight or nine threes and just was like one of those games. Uh, and then as a as a player, there's moments uh, um, like there was two teams I had to try out for that I had to basically walk on. There was cap. Cap U, um, and then there was this pro team that came to Vancouver called the Knights. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about that one because that one's more of a, a moment where, like, basically, I was kind of on the cusp, I think, of that team because there was like I don't know forty guys. I was like one of maybe three or four from Canada. They were all like American athletic guys, I'd say, that were quite a bit taller than me. I was definitely the, sh the shortest one and I was you know shooting really well in drills but like once it came to like the actual games we had a seven day like training camp where it was basically a tryout and the last three nights of camp we just played full games like you know full four quarter games or whatever and the the first day of the game I I didn't do great I probably had like six points couldn't get my shot off quick enough. Like in the drills, my shooting was like really good. Everyone's like, this guy's the best shooter. But in the games, because the defense is just so much faster and taller than what I was used to, I wasn't getting my shot off very easily. So that night, I changed my form. Really? The next morning, I went into the gym and just started shooting with like a quicker release kind of. I kind of shoot more like from lower, just like one motion. And I fully changed my, my shooting form that day. And I practiced it and it was going in. So then that night I went into the second day of the camp and the coach at the beginning, he was also repping, but he was like the coach picking the team. He was like, Hey, there's like a few of you guys like right before the game started. He's like, there's a few of you guys that were, are on the cusp. You know, you might, you, you, you need to perform like to like right now, if you want to like have a chance. I knew he was like, he was like looking at me. I was like one of those three for sure. And I asked the other dude to start the game because I, I came off the bench the time before. And this, this buddy uh, on the team, I was like, hey, man, like, can I start? Because like, we didn't have a coach. We just chose like, who started. Yeah. And he's like, all right. He was chill about it. And I just like, I don't know. I think I, I hit my first shot or something. And then I just went off, hit like five or six threes and had, uh, I think, 20 points. And compared to like where I was at in the tryouts to like that game and I and our team won the game, like we kept hitting threes at the right time and our team like was able to win pretty easily. Also mm -hmm. had a really good guard, like a point guard who was like feeding me the ball nicely. And we uh yeah, we won and that night I was like, All right, that was that was sick. I was pretty stoked. <laughs> pretty good feeling. That was that was definitely like the game that like yeah, definitely helped me uh to, to walk onto that team as well. For sure. mm -hmm. That's why I'm making those adjustments, like right in the midst of everything. I mean, <laughs> it's not a given. Yeah, for sure. It definitely. It, it, I feel like I've changed my form a couple of times where like, it helps me to, to understand shooting to the point where like, when I'm teaching someone or, or, or helping someone with their form, like there's different, I don't know, forms and ways to shoot, but like, for someone right. who's smaller, you if you're going to play at a higher level, you have to have like a quick release. You have to be able to figure out a way to like get your shot off. Mm -hmm. No, that's cool. <clears throat> so yeah, like <clears throat> I guess to to build on that is is to kind of really delve into, and then we'll do all these little components that we that we mentioned before in our conversation. Um, but just to delve into like your story. Um, 
and you can go as, as much detail, as little detail, I really leave it up to you. Um, I think it's a great story. And like I wrote in the, in the post and everything about this episode, I think it's a, has a great lesson for younger players, especially the ones that find themselves kind of on that cusp, right? Like that uncertainty of, should I keep playing? Should I go to college? Should I try and play pro? Should I just call it a day? Um, yeah. I think a lot of times we make these decisions based on the work ethic we've been having and maybe something you realize throughout your process. And I know I realized it around like cap time, like maybe my third year college ball, where it's like there's the work ethic that we should be doing, we should be having, and that's a whole other level. I always love this quote. I remember when there was a whole thing with uh, LeBron where he, he was choosing where to go and up going to Miami, the decision and all that, and they teamed up um, him with Bosch. I remember there was this interview. Um, I, like, we all know Bosch from Toronto, right? I haven't seen him for years. Yeah. There's this interview where he's like, you think you're working hard, but then you're seeing this other guy and you realize what, what hard work really is, and you saw yeah. him take level, his game to a, to a whole new level. Um, so yeah. that really specifies it for me that that understanding of what you could be doing compared to what you've been doing. Um, I think young players have so much to learn from from these stories and, and your personal yeah. experience. Yeah, so it's up to you where you want to start, where you want to take it. Uh, it's a great... Yeah, well, just on touching on that, like, I'd say... Um, I mean, that translates into everything like that I'm doing now and I think life in general, like the work mm-hmm. ethic you can build through basketball because basketball is just one avenue and it's one kind of focus point. And I think when you're focused and you have a passion for what you're doing, it's a lot easier to like really put your all into it mm-hmm. and work the way that you need to work in order to be competitive in the, in the game. And like, that's what, like, this is my motto kind of that I, that I've created um, and you know we have a bunch of like shirts like with this uh, and we always cheer it like at the end of practice with the kids um, and it's, For those guys on audio, it's just, uh, sort of cut you off it says uh, all work oh, yeah. no luck I love that all yeah. work no luck exactly yeah so like if you can't see it I mean the the whole idea from that for me was like I can remember in high school being pressured like as a point guard bringing the ball up and seeing the press seeing like two three guys like ready to like pre- full court press you and i'm like Fuck, I, I hate this like I, I don't want the ball right now I, I just want the other guard to like bring it up i want to get the fuck away from the from the ball and uh as i got older and started to like actually learn how to like i i, I was an okay ball handler and i was a point guard but i wasn't like a good enough ball handler to play college and I, I had to work on the handle like every day. And I just remember playing in one of these games that's like a pro, semi-pro team. Like this is called the Vancouver Dragons. And I'm playing against like Dimitri, I don't know, Clay, these guys that are like also, you know, taller athletic dudes who, and they're full court pressing me. There's like a, there's like a three-man press and we're playing against the Dragons. So it's just like our like, BS semi-pro team playing against this like pretty solid semi-pro team and I catch the ball and I'm bringing it up the court yeah and the pressure it just didn't like affect me at all like I was excited to try to like dribble through everyone because it was like just the way the ball felt in my hands and stuff it was like so different and I just remember this feeling of like yeah there's like so much work I put into this that like there's just like I don't know it just felt like the ball was like is so much easier to control and not get ripped, right? And and I felt like that's kind of where the motto for me came from. Was like there's a lot of a lot of work mm-hmm. that I put in to get to this level. And I think as an adult too, because I'll I'll try to weave this back into my story. Like I I started playing competitively again when I was 25. So and I'm like I'm kind of a deep thinker. Like I'm always like intros introspective or whatever so when i went back to play i'm I'm 25 trying out for college teams with like 18 to 22 year olds and i would say like the whole journey along that time i knew in my mind i wanted to be a basketball coach and a trainer and so i was constantly like 
I guess looking at like just like I don't know how this game can like like how these experiences are gonna help me along the way or something like that. So yeah, when I was eighteen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just trying to like take everything like I was journaling a little bit about each each day when I was in college. But basically yeah, when I was eighteen I tried out um for three or two colleges, just the island ones. It was Malaspina and Camosun. And I didn't make those teams and I had really no chance of making them. Like I just was small, I was skinny, I wasn't that good. I was good enough maybe to be a red shirt if someone gave me a chance. Like I, I knew I was more obsessed with the game than most people, but I just I just didn't like have the body and, and I don't think um I don't even fault the coaches looking at me. And like they really didn't give me a chance. Like there'd be a tryout where it'd be like, Okay, everyone go play one on one like King of the Court and I would be in one corner with like a handful of guys who I knew were like shit that weren't gonna make the team. And they they wouldn't even be watching our corner. <laughs> I could be destroying them. Because just because like that that's just how it is at a college tryout, right? But then uh, from there, I stopped playing basketball, and I eventually got an opportunity to volunteer for something called Hoops for Hope. They're like a, a non-for-profit in South Africa. And I kind of knew I wanted basketball to still be part of my life. There was a certain point where I was like, basketball is like the one thing that like makes me happy. And like, as long as it's like, even if I'm not playing, if I'm coaching, if I'm involved in it somehow, I think that's going to make my life like a lot better to teach life skills to kids. So they'll get like in Zimbabwe, they would have like 200 kids show up to a court with like a couple basketballs, five coaches. And the kids mm-hmm. are just so stoked to like be on the court and to like they would do dances and songs in different ways to kind of keep them engaged. And it was super cool just seeing like the the culture there and um, how happy people can be with so little kind of thing. And it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the cliche, like you come back and you have this like different outlook on life. But it really like affected me. Um, a lot and I, I actually went back and made a documentary like a video about it um, and kind of learned how to do filmmaking and stuff like that because that was kind of another passion I, I acquired I guess that I wanted to like take up um, but that part of my life like it's it's so far gone like it's it's a long time ago but at the same time it's still it definitely affects I think the way that I've been able to like like we were talking about work ethic. And I think for me, I always had this idea, like, okay, I'm going to like work really hard at something, whether it's, you know, a business, whether it's um, my own basketball or something. But when I first came back from Africa, I wasn't doing anything. I just didn't know what to put my energy into. I wanted to like help create something, but I didn't know like what, and I didn't know like how exactly. So when I was 25, uh, I'll fast forward to that. I'm at home, living at home with my parents. Kind of went through uh, a breakup, like a, a rough breakup with my with my ex, and lost kind of a certain job. We were doing hoops for hope. We started doing it in none of it, which is like the northern point in Canada, and they were paying us as as um, contract workers to come up to none of it and run a soccer for hope program. So we were teaching soccer and we were teaching life skills mm-hmm. um, to these tiny little communities um, of Inuit, I guess. And they it was really cool work and stuff, but long story short, me and the, my business partner there, like I, I kind of got, somehow it got X'd out of that. So I, I basically lost my job and lost um, my relationship. And I was 25 and I was like, I'd put everything into those two things. And I felt like I'd given all my all to those things and they were like gone. And I think that's that's when I moved back home with my parents. I'm kind of at a low point, I'd say in my life. Like I was really, like looking back, I was definitely like pretty depressed and I was lucky. I was lucky to have 
parents who, you know, would, would let me stay at home and not everyone has that ability to just like find a free place to crash and everything. But after like six months to a year of that, my, my mom was like, Yoni, you need to like get out of the house. Like, or you, you get, you need to pay rent. You need to like get moving. She kicked me out of, out, out of her house on my birthday. <laughs> like when I was turning 26, I think. And yeah she just knew that i needed to like get out of there and it was the best mm-hmm. thing for me i found like this little cottage on salt spring and i was living there for a month and i was basically i tried out for at this point i'd already decided like i was going to try to play college ball and i went to mm-hmm. play um i went to tryouts at what schools was it douglas i went to Camosun. Uh, I went to VIU and I got cut like from all three schools. They, they kind of looked at me like I was definitely better than I was when I was 18, but I still got barely any looks. And um, so at that point in the summer, I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to play college, whatever. And then I, um, I was at home and when, after my mom kicked me out or whatever, I'm, I'm basically living in this cottage. I was like, I find out cap, cap had a new coach so they, their id camps usually the id camps are in like april and may for any kids that are like watching usually you should be at those id camps if you want to play the next year but for mm-hmm. cap they had a new coach coming in that year so they didn't have any id camps so i hit up the new coach who was hired in like july or august and he was like yeah you can come to some some of our runs and i show up I basically pick up all my stuff. I'm working five different jobs on Salt Spring. And I decide to quit all five jobs and move to Vancouver for August 1st. So I stayed on Salt Spring for one more month in July after my birthday. And then I I moved to Vancouver in August 1st. And I go to some of his practices. And there's only like a handful of people there. So we're just playing twos, threes, and like I'm able to actually like show like how I play and that I can play at that level. So and he's there. It's just him and like six guys, and we're just hooping and and we're doing shooting drills, and I'm doing well in those and stuff. And he he was like, you know, pretty. I think I was like somewhere in the middle of the guys that were there. And then so I'm like, okay, maybe there's a chance of this happening. And so I was living in Vancouver and just like grinding, like really like working at uh, at my game, like every day I was just finding, like just trying to max out like whatever I could do to get better. And mm-hmm. eventually it was September that we had our tryout there and I was like pretty good at the tryouts and pretty much everyone, all the assistant coaches were like, oh yeah, like you're definitely gonna make the team. And he gave me like a red shirt spot which I was like happy about because I was just stoked to like get on any type of college team after, you know, having so many times I got cut. But then I was also working as a youth worker. So I was like working a full-time job that helped, that I had to work Friday, Saturday nights because we had a, a teen drop-in. So I'm, so I, so I wouldn't have been able to play the Friday, Saturday nights unless I like quit that job or whatever. So it was a tough yeah. spot because I had to support myself too. I wasn't in a position where like, I was living at home or, you know, had someone to like help me pay rent. I had to pay rent. So I had to like work this job, go to practice. And so I continued to be on the team as a redshirt, but it was hard to like make that transition to play. Um, and then when he off, like halfway through the year, he offered me a roster spot because some people dropped out or whatever. And I wasn't really able to like take the spot. He also didn't give me any time to decide. I was kind of like, well, can I have like a night to figure this out? Because I like, I have a job. Like I can't just like tell you yes and leave my job. And then he was like, no, no, I need to know like right now. And then I was like, oh, I can't really give you a good answer. And then, so then by Monday he'd found some, another guy. I think he had another one of the red shirts to be, to be on the roster. And I was like, um, okay with that because i figured i'd be playing ball in college for like four more years because i hadn't used up any eligibility right so i was thinking i was going to play ball for a long time in college it's okay um i'll just work this job for now and then i guess like looking back it's one of those things where i was like i could have taken that opportunity 
and those are those opportunities sometimes they can be kind of small windows and um you know it is what you make it but at the same time yeah looking back i wish i would have maybe taken a bit more time to make that decision going back would you would you have done it you, you would have you would have taken it i mean i would have tried i would have like talked to my work and been like hey like can i like go play i don't know how that would have went and there's lots of little things that have happened you know in my life that i'm really grateful for including because i kept that job i connected with the community center i was working at and they hooked me up with this like gym we called it the hidden gym it was like a small gym to train in and that was a big part of how i started my training business as a trainer so i think if i'd quit the job at that time most likely i wouldn't have been able to get that gym to train kids at so it is what it is i think at the same time i do look back and wish i would got that college you know I, i wanted to like get that under my belt i wanted to be a trainer and that's why i decided like i'm going to try to be the best player i can be so that i can have the resume to like be a trainer but at the same mm-hmm. time i i um yeah i kind of i kind of wish i would have maxed out a little more on the playing side i think i could have mm-hmm. i think i could have been a pretty effective player on that level because i played against college guys that i've kind of you know start beating pretty easily at like dropping just because i kept working on my game like i didn't stop and then like the next summer we had the tryouts at cap and it's the same coach and i'm like killing it like everyone on the team like all the best players on the team were like yoni you've like improved so much like what the hell and i was probably like the leading scorer like out of the whole like 40 people there but still coach didn't really give me much of a chance after that he just he, he still offered me a red shirt spot the second year and that's when yeah. i was like i don't know if i to keep doing that <laughs> right that's what i figured though like it's really interesting to, to look back on and ask you that because it's just funny the way life works like certain things in the moment which feel like they're the perfect things for us like it's this opportunity maybe that i've been waiting on for so long yeah. But like you said, man, I didn't know where you're gonna take it, but I had a feeling that like something stemmed from you saying no to that, you know, decision at the time. And and if you look at the grand scheme of things, man, it allowed you this opportunity to influence like so many young players' lives. Where <clears throat> I'm not like disrespecting goals or anything, but I think that's so much bigger than a year at college. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. a movie like that, like the effect and the influence you've had on so many young players and. Yeah, the way life works and the way those players will have influence on other players and stuff like that. Right? And I think that—that's that, not a given. Yeah, those that that also like if I would have just got my goal, like if I would have just said, you know, like this is my goal to play college, I play college, and then it's like, okay, sweet. I would have been pretty satisfied, and I think because yeah. I still was searching for this goal. It, it it helped it like kept me motivated to like do more in the game if that makes sense so like to right, right, right. to continue so being a trainer and be a coach and continue training myself like i still practice you know what i mean like i right. i basically um i think that that definitely yeah like on one hand it legitimately helped me get that gym and on the other and another positive was probably that it helped me to stay you know, motivated, kept a chip on my shoulder type of thing. Stay hungry. For sure. Yeah. That's, one of the things, that's one of the best skills to have, man. If we go back to that thing about like, getting different perspectives and all that, I think another one is just how do you turn every situation into a positive? How can you dig maybe a little bit deeper and see that in this whatever letdown, in this quote-unquote failure or whatever for one target lays this deeper motivation for maybe a different target? Exactly. Um, and it's like, you know, if anything, it's just, it's just you got to dig deep enough to find it and, and find that, like, yeah. hidden gem. There's always uh, silver yeah. lining. What's that? There's always, like, a silver lining. Right. Um, yeah, so I guess we can, like, take that to just the whole part of the ego, I guess. Like, like being motivated by the ego. Where did that meet you along the way? And how did you catch that, kind of noticing that maybe I'm going about this 
uh, the wrong way and I should be motivated by other things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that took some time. That was, I was 26, 27 when, when I finally like called it quits for college. And then I'll say this mm -hmm. as well, right, right then, around the same time, I had a baby. <laughs> so I was 27 right. when I had my kid. And then that, you know, he played a big role in, I think, giving me perspective where your life is all about, it's all about you. And that's right. where I'd say some ego comes in. And then you have a kid and you're like, okay, my life doesn't really matter that much. Like me trying to play college ball isn't that important compared to like making sure this baby right. like stays alive and has a good life or whatever. So that gave me some perspective, but I still was very much had uh, a big ego in the sense of like, I'm trying to prove myself as a basketball player. Mm -hmm. So from the age of 27, when I quit to 29, when I tried out for this college or this pro team on a whim, um, I was still training like fairly consistently and the tryouts came out of the blue. I, I wasn't prepared for them at all. They were just, they just showed up on my Facebook feed. Like, Oh, if you think you can play pro and you live in Vancouver, like come to this tryout. It's just like a random ad on my Facebook and Christmas Eve. I go to Christmas and I'm like thinking like, you know, Christmas people drink and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I might try out for this team tomorrow. And I was asking people like if I should and whatever. And my baby's mom was like pretty encouraging. Like Yoni, clearly like this is something you want to do. Right. But it's like I'm a 27, no, 29 at this point, 29 year old with a kid. And I'm going to try out for a pro team that pays who knows, not very much probably. Okay. Whatever. So I, I did that. Uh, and I think like those, the main thing that I'd say with the ego that like that w w when I started to realize that my ego was like playing a role, it wasn't until later, like probably two years after that, where I was, you know, con consistently posting on Instagram and like trying to show my talent on Instagram, I'd say, I, I think you get that feedback and it feels good. Like, and you, and you're, sh and you're, Often, like people use, I was using Instagram as a trainer because I saw all these other trainers doing the same thing. I wanted to like um, show my training, but also show me being good at basketball as a player. And, you know, that translates to business. But like, I, that's what I thought. Like, I thought that would help me get more clients, blah, blah, blah. And it did. But the amount of time I probably put into posting on Instagram compared to the amount of actual training that came from it yeah. it was like a lot of time and a lot of that time it isn't just because i want business it's because i'm trying to like stroke my ego you know what mm -hmm. i mean and i think it wasn't until i got older i guess when i gave it up i was more just like doing meditation and things like that to like learn how to calm my mind down and that's when I started to realize, I think more so that like my ego is a big part of like why I was so gung ho on like becoming the best player I could become. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, it's a good thing. Like I think the ego can help people like Kobe Bryant was probably had a big ego when he came into the league and it propelled him to these levels. Right. And he talks about it when he was like, you know, older, he talked a lot about his meditation routines and stuff. And I, I'm always like, I'm trying to figure out this like balance of like how much is, how much of ego is important for you to like have ambition and propel you to something and how much of it is negative. And, you know, like is if you're like fully like tamed your ego or you're like a meditation guru, can you really be like a killer on the court? Can you be a great basketball player? And I've been trying to kind of battle with that that little debate in my head. I think be Tim Duncan, man. If yeah. He, he, he got to be like, yeah, peaceful warrior. And I think Kobe too, like he meditated and you can, I think you can unlock something inside of you that like makes you more of a killer if you really know how to control your mind. And anybody who loves trash talking on the court knows, I think Garnett has a, 
have a great story about it that there's nothing worse than trash talking someone who's like so calm and so within themselves and so like sure of who they are and yeah. you can say anything and everything and they won't budge and they'll just keep letting you have it and that's yeah. maddening like i know yeah um yeah there's a great story of Garnett. he's like who do you who's the worst trash talker and he's like Tim, timmy d like tim duncan because he wouldn't say anything like I'd go up and the dude would say one word and then just let me have it. It drive me crazy. Like, and you can yeah. tell that he's just calm. He's just comfortable in his own skin. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess the next level would be like to those watching and those young hoopers and then people who are looking to, you know, kind of follow your steps in a way, like trying to get to their best version on the court. Um, what should we be motivated by if, if that ego, you know, if we cross that line and it starts being a detriment more than it is, you know, adding to our performance, what should we be looking at? I mean, it's hard to say. I think everyone has a different reason. And I think it's just important to have a, a why, like have a reason why. And it can't really be because your dad wants you to or, your, you know, your parents are telling you to do this or that. I think people have to kind of have a reason and that reason has to be strong enough to get you through all the pain and the difficulty that it takes to like, you know, be in the gym all the time. And um, I think for me, my, my why consistently was because I was in such a negative space before basketball, when I was living at home with my parents and just like depressed and stuff, I knew I didn't want to go back to that. So I was like grinding so hard and I found an outlet that helped me to like, um, to just like have my mind more positive and clear. And it also helped me um, stay away from drugs and alcohol, even though that's kind of cliche. Like I, I needed my body to be healthy to perform at a certain level. So that was also another positive that I think basketball helps with so for me that was kind of my why like i didn't want to go back to this like this dark space mental space and then the more i did the further i was away from it you know what i mean and the more i was like happy in life and i would attract the right people into my life but i think if you're young like your why it doesn't have to be something like that either it could be just because you have this like goal and and you know you want to achieve it um or maybe you have a certain struggle in your life like your upbringing or whatever it is and you want to like get your you want to make your mom's life better or you want to you know get paid to play basketball whatever it is maybe you just love the game like do something you love you know what i mean but i think it's important to have a reason why that you can kind of fall back on when when you're running you're those 17s for the third time or you're just like doing lines or doing something difficult in the gym and you gotta like be like okay like why am i doing this like you gotta mm-hmm. like, have something to continue to push you for sure it also comes back to like an earlier point where even that like low um time in your life of living with your parents and stuff that had a purpose too like looking back at it that's really interesting to hear like that became your motivation that became your driving force and i think i could have i could have just had a shit life and blamed it on that you know what i mean but that's like it's it's kind of how you choose to take things so like i i feel like i created this why like like or this silver lining by becoming what i started to become what I am now because in those those painful situations that I went through they're for the for the best because I'm at where I'm at now and I have my kid now but if I didn't go do all that you know I wouldn't be sitting here telling you that so it's kind of like you kind of I feel like people create their own destiny or whatever you know what I mean like you go through something and you can either choose to let it take you down and like be a victim to that and then maybe be not super happy or satisfied with whatever or you can like grow from it get stronger figure it out do something positive and you're going to look back and be like oh i needed to go through that right that got me one piece of that 
that's why I love that that message and that hoodie too. Is is I'm I'm under the belief I I really do follow that school of thought where it's like luck doesn't exist. Like you create your own luck. Nobody's born lucky. Luck yeah. is a product of hard work, man. Whoever the harder you work and the more people realize, especially young hoopers and and young people in general, like the harder you work, the luckier you get because the more work you put in, life just has this funny way of being where the more work you put in, the more opportunities are going to come your way. Exactly. Um, and a lot of a lot of young players will be upset at their coach. They'll be right. upset at someone else for the reason they're not getting the opportunities they want in, in basketball. And I, I remember doing the same thing. Like when I didn't get looked at at college charts, whatever, I was like, what the hell? But as I got older and got better at basketball and started to get more opportunities and got people asking me to play on their team or whatever it is, I'm like, there's, there's no other reason other than I wasn't good enough. Like I need to look within, even if there was a reason, there might've been politics. There's always some kind of politics, but at the end of the day, it's like, I need to take responsibility and accountability for myself and I can't blame anyone for anything. I just need to like control what I can control. And that's something I always tell the kids, like you can't, don't blame your coach. Don't blame right. your parents. Don't blame anybody. Cause like at the end of the day, it's not going to help anything, anyone to blame them. And number right. two, usually it's nothing personal. It's just that you're not, you know, good enough or you're not like, Right, you're not what they like. The coach is just trying to help the team win, and sometimes mm -hmm. if you're not on the floor, it's because he wants someone else on the floor to do that, and that's not right. that's out of your control. You gotta like exactly. That's yeah. that. I love that. Like that's that golden key, and and I use it so much, like in my work today with with athletes and with clients, and it's just like like life is a hundred percent your responsibility. Yeah. Like there's no escaping that. Um, even if there is politics involved, I can say at the pro level for sure, you just get treated like a piece of meat sometimes. Like if you're not performing, nobody gives a damn, yeah. man. Call that agent, get him off, get a new guy in. I don't care that you came halfway across the world to play. Nobody cares, man. It's a business. Yeah. Um, and it's like life is 100% your responsibility. Even if it is politics, you have no control over that. The only thing exactly. you have control over, like you said, is, is what can you do about it? How hard can you work? What skills do you need to add? Maybe you got to change an agent. Maybe you got to try differently. Maybe you got to try a different sport, man. Who knows? Maybe you got a different yeah. purpose on this planet. But as long as you keep blaming whatever politics, coaches, agents, injuries, whatever it may be, right? We all go through shit in life. You, you know it just as well as I do. As long as you keep giving your energy to that, like nothing's going to change. You're just going to keep getting the same results because you're not being a factor in your own life. You're being you're being a factor of circumstance, right? And mm -hmm. and like that's what I love about that shirt. It's like there is no luck. There is no there's this whole concept. I used to have this great conversation because I know we're both like deep thinkers. I used to have this conversation about like yeah. uh, destiny. Like like do we yeah. have a destiny or or is there something like written out for us? And um. I really do believe that, like you said, like it's all a piece of the puzzle. Like all the things that are happening are meant to happen because in the moment it might feel like shit, but how many times have we had an experience where a week, a month, a year, 10 years after we're like, man, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Like that changed my yeah. path for the better in such a way that I could never imagine or fathom in that moment. Um, and then we create our own destiny, right? And then we kind of do the work to get to that point. Yeah. But like if, if something was to be given to you like overnight like this whole concept i know nowadays of overnight success and social networks yeah. and TikTok and all this stuff like it's going to get taken away from you just as fast like if you exactly. didn't do the groundwork there's nothing to hold that steady and have that last over over time right yeah so it's interesting yeah we definitely see it this, i feel like we definitely see it the same way and then like as far as just yeah for sure that's cool we're kind of like towards the end there's, there's a couple of things and then i got the the last two questions that we always end up on but i'd love to hear how um there's this whole concept of like visualizing and visualization how do you use that uh throughout your process and um to get to those levels yeah i mean i would say i'd always heard visualization with like 
there was like a thing about these bas. I think a basketball team. I think my stepdad told me this, but it was like you, um, a team that like didn't practice, and then they just visualize themselves like scoring free throws or something, and then the team that like actually practiced and the team that visualized it like did better. Yeah. And I don't really, I don't believe in that, but. And I never like thought about visualization actually until I got older. But I think a lot of the things, like even going to to Africa and doing that stuff, I had imagined it in my head for quite a few years, like that this is something I was going to do. And then when I was playing ball, I imagined kind of doing that. And then when I started um, like these shirts with like the the hoop reel, like we have jerseys with hoop reel on them. This this design that like I had thought of that probably 12 years ago I thought of like when I started hoop reel like as a as an idea I kind of thought of like a basketball camp where everyone's wearing these jerseys and stuff and I just like had these visions of that and that kind of happened like in some one way or another um and I think I'm able to manifest certain things but now I do it more um what's the word like I'm, I'm thinking I'm trying to do it now. So consciously, exactly. So like now when I I do some sort of form of meditation, usually near the end of it, I'll kind of briefly have a vision of like what's the next goal that I have. And essentially it's like owning my own basketball gym. And I imagine what it's gonna look like. And I every day pretty much imagine this this vision that I have. And I think like you know, even if it doesn't happen, it's never going to happen exactly how you envision it. Like even playing college ball, like it didn't happen the way I would have envisioned it. But at the end of the day, having that goal and working towards that goal, like that's, that's going to, you're going to get to something like you're going to get somewhere. Like maybe you shoot, they say shoot for the, the moon. And if you miss, you'll land among the stars or whatever. Like that's someone in, in South Africa told me that, but like, um, shout out to Lala. He's wa- he's gonna watch this, I think. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, I I'm more conscious of it now, and I really because I've been able to achieve some of the stuff I imagine. I feel like now it's just a matter of time. Like it, mm-hmm. like I know these things can happen. It's just a matter of when. It's a matter of if I am alive, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, you know. So it's, it's kind of like you like, imagine the, the end goal and, and the process of how to get there kind of like reveals itself along, uh, you know, as, as you go along the path. I don't remember yeah, what, which book it was or, or movie. It wasn't like The Secret, but it was something about manifestation and about, um, I think it was Joe Dispenza and about, about uh, the way our mind works and all these like deep meditations about creating our future. And it's like, if you can imagine it, if you can imagine the process that it would take to get you there, it's nothing new. It's not surprising. Yeah. Like it's nothing that the universe can like surprise you with. It's always like, <clears throat> and I'm sure we all have these stories of like finding this great girlfriend or finding this great job that kind of came out of nowhere because we couldn't even imagine how we were to get to that point. We knew we wanted the outcome. We had that very clear, but how to get there, we had to be like be open enough to have life surprise us with this thing out of nowhere, like having done the work, having you know been open to it, and all of a yeah. sudden this path kind of shows itself when you're ready. Right, that's what he says. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I think it's from this book. Yeah, and it's like this concept of if you can see and you can imagine like how exactly to get there. You know, it's kind of almost like detrimental. It's almost like standing in your way. If you can just imagine the outcome. You don't don't actually want to, you don't want to imagine necessarily the process of how. You just want to imagine the end goal. It's like this point, the point he was trying to make is that you can't. Because you know exactly how it's going to be. It's never going to work out that way, right? The universe has have this element of surprise to get you to that goal. Yeah, it's kind of funny because like with the college ball stuff, I think if I would have, like, I imagined myself playing for four more years. So I was like, I don't need to take this opportunity in front of me. I'm going to have another one next year. I'm going to be better the next year, the next year. But you never know in life. Like, you might get injured, this, that, and the third. Like, you got to be willing to just, like, go with the 
the flow as well you know what i mean so if you're too concrete about like this is the path to get there you're going to probably miss a lot of stuff along the way yeah like what you were saying like you had this end goal in mind of playing pro and and the path wasn't anything like you'd imagine it but the outcome right. was the same, right like if you so it's as if like if you were to know every step it may have not have happened you know what i mean it's interesting yeah if you got this concrete outlook of the way it should look then when you think about what would happen along the way is that anything that doesn't match that outlook would be like detrimental would bring me down would, would like i'd lose motivation being like why does it look this way but if you're just so specific and so clear on that end goal and you're yeah. willing to you know be carried every which which way along the path then you'll get there um, it's really yeah. interesting yeah not sure yeah, we could talk about these yeah <laughs> we could go for hours and i will definitely do another one um the last the last two i always like to end up on uh the first question is um how do you define success so how do you find performance uh either one of those what's your definition of it so how do i define success and how do i define performance yeah you can do both or pick one yeah i mean success to me is being happy with what you're doing and mm -hmm. what you have and i think right. some people define that as being financially successful some people define that as something they're passionate doing something they're passionate about for me it's like i'm going to be happy with x amount of dollars let's say you know what i mean so, mm -hmm. so that's part of the, the the road to success or that's part of the goal or i'm going to be i'm only i'm going to be happiest if i'm like helping people which is also true you know and then so so i would say my definition of success is yeah something along those lines like just being happy with what you're doing you know what i mean mm. that's that then you're successful i think some people are super wealthy they strive to become a billionaire and they're they're super depressed because they're alone and they don't right. have anyone to share it with or whatever the case is and some people have very little and they're very happy and satisfied with what they have and they're not trying to strive for more all the time and if someone works at mcdonald's and they have a you know they're busing to work or whatever it is and they're happy with their life and they're not like always striving for more like i got nothing i got no problem with those people right. it's only the people that are working at mcdonald's that hate their life you know that are pissed off about everything then i'm like okay you need to like change something but if you're right. satisfied with what you're doing that's probably what is, that's what success is to me mm -hmm. uh performance that's a tough one i haven't thought of that word that that often to be honest yeah but yeah i guess just being like performance i think with performance comes preparation so mm -hmm. i would say for my daughter she's five and a half she's almost six and she just wants to do the show she wants to perform but she doesn't want to go to practice so she mm -hmm tells us like she did a ballet recital where she's on stage in front of all these people and she did a piano recital and she and she was like she was like i just want to i just want to do the show <laughs> i don't want to go to practice like why why am i going she's like alan i'm going to practice and i'm like trying to teach her like anything you do like anyone you see on a stage like they put in a ton of time practicing for that moment and you have to like practice you can't just go on stage and perform so i think performance being mm -hmm. great at something comes down to the preparation mm -hmm. that's you i like Sorry. that <laughs> and the last one is um i was like i kind of want to hear your 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 definition of performance after of which a performance it's interesting i look at it what's that that's the word you use here at school of performance right? yeah right so yeah i i took a lot of thought on that and the way I look at it is performance is like independent of success. I look at it as like it's not defined by by your success. The only thing that needs to be, the only component that needs to be present for you to be performing, like in comparison to yourself, is I define performance as being better than yesterday. I remind myself that all the time. Like I'm performing, even if I did like one push-up or if I did like 
20 meetings and 30 posts and two podcasts, you know what I mean? If I did anything to get better than I was yesterday and all these different yeah. things that I'm doing or whatever we may yeah. choose to take up, um, then I'm performing because I'm, I'm getting better. And sometimes we have this tendency to, to, to look for giant leaps where really, you know, the gold is in the baby steps. The gold is yeah. in to always be moving forward. Because if you look at it in days or weeks, it might look like you're in the same place. But if you look at it over months or years, it's amazing. And, and I think we forget to do that. It's human nature, right, to, to give ourselves credit. So that's what I look at. I appreciate you uh, yeah, asking me as well, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, man, for sure. That's kind of the concept where I came up with this whole thing. And I mind myself every day, man, because I'm sure you know it. And and all the people listening, like to each their own and in their own um, field, I would say um, it's easy to be like, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm just staying in place. And and it's never like that. I'll have people, I'd really urge people to look at it. It's never like that. If you're going by that definition of performance, you're always improving. You're always getting better. It can be so small. But these these tiny habits, these tiny steps, they add up, man. I love to say, oh, so the clients and kids I work with at the schools, it's like small things make a huge difference. You know, the differences in the in the minuscule details. Those are the things yeah. that are gonna add up and make the biggest difference at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yes, I appreciate that. I have to share. And um, the last one that I would like to touch on is if you could go back and kind of catch Yoni um at his younger days maybe with ball or maybe with coaching and you could pull him aside and kind of whisper something in his ear that would um maybe make the whole process uh, i don't know work more efficiently or have to deal with less headaches or less conflicts along the way like why would you tell him yeah i mean i'd say i've thought about this one because i've heard other people ask the same question <laughs> on different podcasts and stuff but like i Firstly, would say nothing just because, you know, like we talked about, like everything that, you know, all the hardships, all the difficulties along the way did get me to where I'm at. And I'm pretty happy with, with that, with the path I'm on right now. And I have a, I have a kid. So like once I have, once I have a kid, I love my kid, you know? So it's like, it's, um, it's hard to change anything. Cause then maybe I wouldn't have that. Right. But at the same time, um, I would definitely, I would have definitely changed my game when I was younger. Like I had a dream to play in the NBA and I had no idea how to achieve that goal, but I just thought that was like what I was going to do. So if I had someone in my ear telling me anything, it would be, this is what you got to do every single day. This is how you're going to do it. And I would have. I think I'm the type of person that would have been able to put in the work. I don't think I would have made the NBA, but I think I would have probably had a much better basketball career as a player just because I did, achieve, I did get to a pretty high level from age 25 to 29, I guess those four years, but really the first couple of years is where my game really changed. Right. And I think realistically I could have played at a really high level, but um that's something that you know is all part of my path of like you know this is now i get to be that mentor for kids that and that this is why i am that person because i'm if i would have if i would have had that growing up there would be very little chance i'm as motivated as i am to be that person for someone else so i, I kind of see that as something i can help kids learn how to how to get there you have a goal to make the nba great it's right. probably not going to happen in the first place <laughs> just because of where <laughs> you're at. <laughs> but I, I don't say that, but I just I'll yeah. tell you that. But like, you know, at the same time, this is how you can maximize right. your potential, right? You got to do this every single day and maximizing your potential, I think is the biggest key, like controlling what you can control. Mm -hmm. No, that's huge, yeah. That's a good point. I've been thinking about it too with this question because a lot of different people will bring that up. It's like, it's exactly what we talked about. Because if I was to go back and, and whisper, then then things will be different. And just the way it's meant to be, right? It's it all has a it all has a a, a significance and a piece of the puzzle. And there's a reason for everything. And uh, 
something I truly believe in. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to go back and change that question. I think we're, we're like. No, it's a good. I think it's a good question though. Yeah, it's Sorry. a good. It's interesting. I'm saying we're like episode fifty. Maybe it's time to uh to shake things up, man. It's crazy time yeah. flies. But yeah, it's good. I like that. I love that. Yeah, man. I wanna. I wanna just acknowledge you, man. I, I haven't been there physically in van, but I think I've seen your process a little bit from the side uh, with our conversations, and and I was. Um, honored to have you you know look to me for advice throughout that process and um really acknowledge you for, for never giving up man. i think a lot of people not just kids and not just athletes but people in general have so much to learn from this and in the fact that like you said maybe we didn't delve into it in as much detail as we wanted to but just the fact that failure is constructive failure is is like such a key component of life and such a key component of success where Without it, you may never realize your potential. You may never realize it. It might not be what you set out to do, but it'll definitely be higher than if you were just like succeeding in everything and had no conflict along the way. So I really want to acknowledge you for, for that work ethic and that determination. And I'm sure you all the kids you work with, man, gain so much just from that, you know, beyond the basketball skills and the physical component uh, outlook. And uh, I'm really glad we, we got to do this and, and, uh, Everyone that'll listen in will we'll gain a lot from this, man, for sure. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate uh, you reaching out, too, and having me on here, for sure. Uh, that's awesome. I'm glad we did it. We'll definitely have to do another one and uh, keep building this concept. I'm hoping by then you'll have a book and, like, a book tour and be, like, doing lectures and really, like, letting these kids know, man, that it's got to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, like, more try to keep it low key but maybe maybe one day i'll get out of my shell with that we'll get you on here and uh, we'll spread the we'll spread the message for sure i appreciate thanks. it thanks man appreciate awesome. you we'll talk soon we'll stay in touch have a good one all right you too Later. that's all for this episode of the school of performance thank you for joining us all the way to the end we hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you took something away from this episode to your own lives, I urge you to share this episode with your followers or with anyone that this conversation can add value to. Thank you for joining us. Have an amazing day. And we'll see you on the next episode of The School of Performance.